Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Good morning, Rabbi. Good morning. Good morning. You're, you are unmuted. In case you want to jump in and say anything, please feel free to unmute yourselves. But uh, we're ready to continue. We are on page 185. And we're holding, uh, let's see, about six lines in the bottom of the page. The Rebbe is teaching us about how to best uh, recapture the experience of our ancestors and how they, after leaving the Trayan, prepared to receive the Torah. What's the goal? What's the expectation, the anticipation of receiving the Torah? And the Rebbe helps us understand this in the context of the story about the Jewish people saying Nasa before Nishma, and as a result, receiving as reward crowns, two crowns a crown for, for Nasa and a crown for Nishma. And it's explained the beauty of this crown. The crown in Hebrew is Keser. And the Rebbe brought us examples in scripture where the word Keser means a crown, but for other reasons. Because Keser also in scripture is used as a term that means a fence and also means silence. So it's a fence, as it were, that surrounds and encompasses the identity of the person in a hovering, encompassing way, and that place is a place of silence, a silent energy that surrounds the aura of the person. It surrounds the aura of all of creation. It's a silent space of the presence of the essence of God himself, the essence of Yonashama. The identity of the person, the mind, the understanding, the study, the communication skills, that's our identity in the noisy world that we live in, we need to know that there's a higher identity and reality, and that's our crown. The crown sits above the head of the person, above the wisdom, the surrounding encompassing aura and energy of silence because of the presence of God that's beyond and before words, communication, and distractions of duality and so forth. It's the essence of God. And that's the gift that the Jewish people gave, were given at preparation for Sinai, a crown relationship with Hashem, not just in wisdom, the shared information of Torah wisdom, but relationship with God himself at that essential level. That's the fence that surrounds the identity of the person's actual interactions of life, relationship with Hashem at the core essential level of God's essence, Torah's essence, and the essence of the Jewish person. By the humility of saying, Naseh before Nishma, the ability for a person to try to realize that we let go of self-absorption. We allow ourselves to hear this beautiful silence, to hear resonate with the essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's the keser, the crowns that were given to the Jewish people because of Nasev and Mishnah. Then the Rebbe said, what do we need to do yearly to make sure that we're able to be meritorious, to receive this crown, to experience it, and to live in that era, to live in that area, to live in that venue, there's a process of how Exodus will lead to Revelation at Sinai. And that's the three-month process of Nisan, Iyar, and Sivan. The three-month process which represents months of the Jewish calendar that all are part of the Exodus experience that culminate with Revelation at Sinai. That gets us to appreciate the crowning achievement of what we discussed before, an intimate relationship with Hashem, not just based upon shared information and instructions, but much deeper, the essence connecting with essence. 
Rebbe said the three-step process that we can, we can imitate and we can emulate on a regular basis is Nisan, Iyar, and Sivan, the three months. The first month is Nisan, and the Torah says about the month of Nisan, Ki the nation escaped. Okay, they had to escape Pharaoh in our context of what we need to then try to emulate that concept, that the areas of life that are maybe in certain, certain, in certain appreciations, they may be inappropriate. I know I could be better than that thought, speech, or action. A person has to know, I may not be really resonating with the beauty of a better value system at this particular moment in my life, but I jump out of that negativity. I go to a better place. I do what I have to do. The yoke of heaven. Barachaam. I escaped the pharaohs. I escaped that culture of 210 years of living in a way whereby things were all about selfishness and morality and the place of tremendous level of, uh, of self-indulgence. I go away from there. I escaped that. I haven't yet reached Sinai. I just want to get my first steps towards Sinai represents the idea of Kabbalah soul. I leave the negativity by compelling myself to be in a better place. I'm changing my environment. I'm changing the station. I'm changing my, 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 my natural ways of doing things one step at a time. That's the month of Nisan. Baracha Am. The nation runs away out of the borders of Mitzrayim. We change our neighborhoods. We change the station. We turn the channel. We're holding now on page 185. And we're holding six lines in the bottom of the page. So as the Rebbe, that's the month of Nisan. For us, what it means is to do the right things. We know something should be done. I may not be in the mood. I don't have the feeling to do it, but nevertheless, I know it's right. I run away from negative. I try to embrace positive energy. That's Baracha Am. That's the month of Nisan. Continues the Rebbe. Now comes the month of Iyar. That's step one to becoming a Jewish person that can really appreciate the crown given to us as this gift of Sinai, at Sinai. Zakhtar Ebevite, Oifen Habei, six lines in the bottom of the page. Oifen Habei, so ha'avoide b'chaybish iya. The second stage in the process of becoming Sinai Jews, Jews who appreciate the crown and can properly appreciate the crown is the month of iya, which of course begins Mitzvah Shem this coming Sunday, I believe is Rosh Chodesh, I think. The Shabbos, the Shabbos, the Barchim. So we've got a couple of days left of Nisan, so we can still do the, 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 the compelling, the compelling avod of being in the right place, making right choices, doing the right thing. That's leaving the triumph, changing your station by compelling oneself. The month of year begins a new process, a different stage in the process of coming to Sinai. And that is, Shiavoida, the Sphira Sa'ayna. The month of Eir is the one month of the Jewish calendar that every single day of the month has a bracha. Every single day of the month has a mitzvah that you make a bracha on. And that bracha and that mitzvah, of course, is counting the omer. So the month of Eir is the one month on the Jewish calendar that represents such a beautiful journey. If I can perhaps give as an example, it's like running a marathon. When you run a marathon, you have to pace yourself. So every single day, you make a little bit of a change. You try to transform. You try to join this journey from not just compelling myself into a better value system, but to begin appreciating the value system, 
to begin to inculcate myself with the values not of the pharaohs, but of God and Torah and Hashem. And that's what counting the Omer is about. A month, every single day, you have a bracha to make, and the bracha is a facilitator of the ability to try now to engage your emotional energies, your emotional expressions, your feelings, and your interconnections with other people and with God, and try to refine them, bring them to be in a much more softer, gentler place that you recognize the beauty of each other, our relationship with each other, and with Akadis Baruch Hu. That the midas, the measures of my life now, are becoming Torah measures, becoming measures as they are appreciated by the system of the illumination of Torah values. And that's Vira Sa'oma, says the Rebbe Kamesha Kasu, as the Torah says, Usfartem lochem. Usfartem means, and you shall count for yourselves. But guess what? The beauty of the Hebrew language. The word for counting, sphira, also comes from the Lashon, sephiras ubehilas, which means illumination, shining like a sapphire gem. That's where the word usfartem comes from. To begin to become a brilliant gem, shining. Every single day you're in this marathon coming closer and closer to Sinai, the third stage, which we'll talk about in Mithashem later, the Sivan stage, that's part three. We're still in part two. Part two represents counting the omen every single day, thinking about another aspect of my identity and my measure, my mida, midas of life, be it chesed, sheba chesed, all the way through malchus, malchus, all the different expressions of life in terms of how we relate with each other. I'm focusing on my behavior. Before I compelled myself to get out of inappropriateness, places that are not okay, and I jump out of Mitzrayim, I jump away from the pharaohs. But here, we're not just jumping away from something negative. Here, we're joining something very positive. It's about embracing the beauty of the ideals of understanding the measures of life that God gave me, my midos, my expressions, and see, are they truly consistent with the beauty of how Torah wants me to behave in thought, speech, and action, to purify, to elevate, to illuminate. Very fascinating that the, uh, the counting of the Omer, of course, is counting the days from when, in the times of the base of Migdash, a sacrifice was brought called the Korban HaOmer. The Omer was a certain amount of barley stalks that were offered as an offering to Hashem. Interestingly enough, that this is something quite unique in the temple service, because whenever there were flower offerings in the temple, it usually came from wheat, not barley. The difference, explains Hasidus, between wheat and barley, wheat is considered machal adam, human consumption. People make bread and food that's more for human beings. Barley is considered machal behema, animal consumption. And the carbon omer had to be brought from the barley and animal food. Barley is more considered animal consumption. Why is that? Because the whole point of counting the omer is to address our animalistic instincts and behavior and measures of life. Amidos that left unbridled and left unchecked and not elevated and illuminated, a person is an animal and behaves with selfish, with, with a selfish sense of self of a, a false identity, living your own person and not seeing the beauty of each other in a holy, proper relationship. 
So counting the omer means taking that barley, taking the animal food, meaning more taking your animal soul, my animalistic tendencies, and bring it to the Mizbeah, bring it to the Hektish, to Kodesh, to sanctifying, illuminating, usfartem, from the word spheres of the heroes. That's why the Korban HaOmer was Ma'achal Behemah, taking the animal soul. The journey of counting this Omer, the marathon, we pace ourselves every day, all the different Sefiros, which are seven different emotional expressions of life as they intertwine with each other, seven times seven is 49, culminating with, of course, Sinai revelation on the 50th day. It's about allowing myself to let the animal soul join this beautiful journey. That's what it's all about. That's what receiving the Torah is about. In the month of Nisan, we jump away from the pharaohs. So I'm, I'm, I, I see this beautiful divine message of God, Migla Aleim. We have a revelation at, at, in, in Mitzrayim, the night of Exodus, of Melech, Machiam, Lachim, as we discussed in the previous Mimer, God's essence come to the Jewish person. But guess what, my friends? When God came to the Jewish people in Mitzrayim and gave us that push, that, that, that jump shot to get out of Mitzrayim, the only identity of the Jew that felt and resonated with that jump shot, with that spiritual experience, was my godly soul. My animal soul was still very much in Mitzrayim. I may have taken the animal soul out of Mitzrayim, but it still was really in Mitzrayim. The point of counting the Omer, the point of stage two process, the month of Iyar, is whereby we have this conversation with my godly soul that experienced that revelation of the King of Kings at the night of Exodus, now have this conversation with my animal soul that it too can understand the beauty of divine presence to allow it to become illuminated. There's a beautiful verse that says, Moshcheni acherecha narutza, says King Solomon. Draw me after you and we will run. Hold on a second. If you're drawing me, who's the we? All of a sudden, I becomes plural. Draw me and we will run. Reb explains. Draw me represents the exodus. When God came to the godly soul and said, you don't belong in Mitzrayim. Get out of here. Jump out of here. And they jump ship, getting out of Mitzrayim. But that was Moshcheni singular term. The godly soul felt, I can't stay here for another moment. And it jumps out of Mitzrayim. But the point is, for the Jewish experience to receive the Torah, it cannot just be a godly spiritual ecstasy that inspires your neshama. The point of Yiddishkeit and Torah is about having the animal soul fully consistent with the journey. So the Pesach says, says King Solomon, Moshcheni, Draw me after you that we, I'm going to have this conversation with the animal soul together, with the godly soul together. We will run. We will run quickly to Sinai. And that's why it says we will run. Because guess what? The animal soul has an advantage over the godly soul. The godly soul is very cerebral. It understands. It follows instructions. It has a divine mission and it accepts it. The animal soul although it's animalistic and can have negative tendencies, but if you get it to join the journey, it doesn't just join complacently, it runs. The animal soul is full of exciting energy, of impulse and gewaldica, desire and yearning and passion. And now all of a sudden the godly soul says to the animal soul, hold on, you're going too fast for me, but we're running. Once the animal soul joins the journey, this is no longer a pace. You got to really try to pace yourself because it's going to go real fast. As King Solomon says, Narutza, we're going to run, run to Sinai. 
And that's the journey of counting the Omer. To get the animal soul to be so consistent with the depth of Torah values that not only do I understand it cerebrally in my neshama, in my cup, in my head, but the feelings in my heart are totally consistent with that value system. We are running together. We've joined this journey. And that's counting the Omer. So we think to ourselves, we meditate to ourselves, how do I express myself in Chesed, in Gevura, in Tiferes, the various different emotional expressions of life that represent my real relationships between myself and fellow man and myself and God. That's really the measure of my life. That's called the Midas. And I have to bring them into the journey. We begin by bringing the carbon Omer, the barley, the animal fodder that's put on the Mizbeach to bring it into the conversation. And then we have a seven-week conversation to get to Sinai. That's the month of year. It's fascinating. The reason why it's so important for the Jewish experience to prepare for Sinai and to get to Revelation, to have this very important conversation with my animal soul and its midos is because guess what? The midos of my life, the expressions of my emotional energy as I relate to somebody else and how I respond and how I deal and I transact life, they have a deeper connection to the essence of my soul than do my brain, my understanding, my seichel. Midas has a much deeper, more intense connection to my soul than my cerebral abilities. It really represents who I am. That's how we find, but also sometimes you can understand something. And then all of a sudden, once you understand it, when you begin to express it emotionally, the emotions sometimes surpass the intellect that brought you to the emotion. Why is that? You think, let, 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 let's give an example of, I don't know, something that you're upset about. And I'm thinking about something that was not nice. And now I feel upset about that. When you start feeling upset about something, all of a sudden it's possible that that frustration and upset, even anger, can take on a life of its own that's beyond the intellect that brought you to be upset in the first place. Why are you angrier than the intelligence that explained to why you should be upset? And the answer is because emotions are deeply connected to the essence of your soul. And when your emotions take over, wow, is that powerful? That's a powerful, intense energy. And God wants us to be able to take intense energies of emotions and sanctify them, sapphire, brilliant gem, and consecrate them, illuminate them, because there's a tremendous energy in Midos expression, a tremendous energy in how we work on refining our character, making them all holy expressions, because there's a depth of holiness that's experienced in emotions that makes intelligence pale compared to that. And that's the Jewish experience of how you get to Sinai, how we are with relation with each other. Give me a beautiful story of the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe of Shalom Dover. It's an interesting story that was in the following. It was a, um, a Balagala, a, a wagon driver in the city of Lubavitch. His name was Pinchke, Pinchke the Balagala. You ever have Pinchke the Balagala? Well, he was the Pinchas in Pinchka the Balagol in Lubavitch. And he was the same age as the Rebbe Rashab, which means that in Lubavitch, they went to the same cheder as kids in school. Kids in cheder, they went together. So a lot of the older Hasidim were asking Pinchka the Balagol, give us some stories about the Rebbe Rashab when he was a child in your class. Give us some nice juicy stories about the Rebbe when he was seven, eight, nine, ten years old that we don't know about because you're his classmate, you're friends with him. He, he went on to become the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, but Pinchke became the wagon driver in Lubavitch. 
an Uber driver, whatever you want to lift, whatever you want to call him. He had a wagon. So he's a, he couldn't think of it. He said, no, nah, whatever. He was a friend, whatever. No, you got to have some story. He says, oh, he remembered the story. Something about the Rebbe Rashabi. He was eight, nine years old. It's very strange. He loved black, stale bread. He loved black, stale bread. Black bread in terms of, which is an inferior quality of wheat. The black wheat instead of the white wheat. He says, really? He says, yeah, every day he'd come into class and he'd have this beautiful white loaves of bread because his family was the Rebbe's family and they were, able, they were able to have white flour and white delicious bread. And he'd come in every single day and he would trade it with us. He gave us the white bread for the black stale bread. That was something he remembered as the Rebbe Rishab as a little kid. He loved the black stale bread. What was really happening? The Rebbe Rishab worked on himself as a child to let himself trade away, give away the better white flour that he had. And he worked on himself to make these other kids feel that he'd rather have the black stale bread and he'd trade with different kids every single day. He worked on himself. He transformed himself. He wasn't so self-absorbed. In other words, this is what counting the omer is about. To conquer the false sense of self, that if it's mine, it's mine, and yours is yours, and we see ourselves as disparate individuals, separate identities, but to blend with others in a way that we appreciate and value the other and make the other person feel excited about being in, their, in, in, in your presence. That's the avoid of illuminating your midas. That's where Yiddishkeit resides. That's stage number two. Stage one, you compel yourself to be in a better place. Stage number two means you're becoming the better place. Your identity, your person, your reality. It's okay. I can have black stale bread. Let someone else have the white beautiful flower. Reverend Shab, a small, a small little child. That's the Avaida. It takes a lot of effort. You have to really work on yourself. But once you do that, you will find that once the midos, these emotional expressions become sanctified, they take on an energy much, much more than just the understanding that seichel, that intelligence brings you. As I said before, according to Hasidic literature, midos, emotions, are far, far more deeply entrenched in the essence of the soul than is the intelligence. And once they become illuminated with the sense of transformation to a higher purpose, you're running to Sinai in a way. That's the second stage of the month of Eir. Akavaldik, my friends, Lachayim, Lachayim, Levracha will continue. Okay. And that in Hasidic vernacular, that's called, before we spoke about jumping out of Mitzrayim, running away from the Pharaoh, we called that yesterday Eskafi. Remember I said the word Eskafi yesterday? Then the word Kofa. You compel, you force, you make it happen. I'm going to a better place. I can't be there anymore. I'm jumping out of Mitzrayim. But that's only the godly soul that says, you got to do this. Stage two is not eskafia. Here the terminology is eshapfa. From the word hafach, transformation. You're becoming, you're becoming the holy Jew. You're becoming a holier person, a refined person. I know person goes ahead. And he brings the information of Torah into his emotional expressions. You dialogue with your animal soul and you say, why do you act so selfishly? Why do you see the world only from your self-centered place of existence? See higher purpose. Engage and embrace another. 
in a proper holy way. You are refining, you're elevating, and you're cleansing your emotions of life, your measure of life. How do you do that? Says the Rebbe, it's a, it's a seven-week process. It takes time, meditation, thinking, studying, appreciating the value system through meditation. Says the Rebbe, you will see that your emotions are going to be excited to have a love of Hashem, love of a fellow, yira, fear of HaKadosh Baruch, the awe of the Divine Presence. Then that's what happens then is, you transform your measures of life. You transform your behavior. As opposed to before you just jumped out of the Mitzrayim, but the Mitzrayim is still very much part of your animal soul. Now that you brought the carbon Ha'omer, I'm into the month of Eir, every day a bracha, Every day, another chance to make myself a blessing to those around me, a, form, a, a force of light to those around me because of my very presence. Why? Because I made a bracha. I made a revelation in my life of chesed sheba chesed, tzferi sheba chesed, whatever the midah might be. That's called the the vishapcha comes the last line, the last line on page 185. This avoid of transformation, whereby you begin to see things from a higher perspective, and you're shining that truth into your value system, comes after the avoid Mitzrayim. It's stage two. Stage one has to be that come with me, I need to be in a better place. So I'm jumping out of Mitzrayim. I cannot avoid stage one. You got to say that whether I feel or I don't feel, I have to do the right thing. That's stage number one. That's Exodus. That's the month of Nisan. After the avoid of Exodus, Kibaracha, um, says the Rebbe, last words on page 185, my friends. Chilas ha'avoida, the beginning of the avoida, le'shayich, it's not shayich. Page 186. Le'shayich, says the Rebbe, page 186 on top. Because when you first, you're just coming out of Mitzrayim. I just left the borders. At this point, I don't have the frame of mind or the space in my mind to meditate upon good or wrong value systems. I can't meditate then. I'm still very much entrenched in 210 years of exile. The ways I'm used to doing things, my animalistic tendencies has become my tendencies. It's how I am. So stage one and coming to Sinai has to be just to say, no, I can't go there anymore. I can't meditate. I don't have the wherewithal to have the frame of mind, the space, to meditate into the higher value systems. I'm still in a Nissan mode. I've got to jump into a better place. It doesn't have any information. I haven't transformed anything. I haven't, haven't built a deeper relationship with a good value system. I just do what I have to do. But as Hapcha, top of the page 186, the person still coming in the month of Nissan, I'm still immersed into the pharaohs. I can't make proper decisions. I have to do what I have to do do what I'm supposed to do without the value of meditation. I don't have the ability to meditate. Shankin, however. After a person succeeds, that you control your behavior. I control and I, and I say no. And I say yes to things I'm supposed to say yes to. And I make right choices by compelling myself. Kabbalah saw, I'll do what I have to do. Therefore, I'm no longer bound by the evil of barrels of Egypt, and I'm trying to put myself in a better place, now you can give yourself the luxury of a paced marathon, a 
of counting every single day, coming closer and closer to Sinai. I now in a place that I'll never have a desire to do something I'm not supposed to be doing. I just now have choices to make. That should I involve myself in this? It may be kosher, but do I have to have it? As a famous Hasidish is saying, what that means, what's forbidden is forbidden, and what's permissible, you may not need it. That's how That's how you really create midos by being fully self-controlled, by fully a sense of a higher purpose, and that which I can partake of, you have to ask yourself the question, do I need to partake of it? Or is it something superfluous in my life? It's like buying a soup, two sizes, too big. You're allowed to do that, but you're going to trip over it. You don't need it. So too, you may not have to have these extra stuff. Therefore, I don't need it. If I have something extra, I can share it to talk with somebody else. Behind said that Ebbe, us, then, now, in that better space, that I've left the pharaohs, and I'm in space now that I'm in the month of year, now I can go to the avoid of transformation. Now I can become the better person. I can see myself in a different light. That's usfartim lachem. See yourself by this counting. See yourself as a different person. The famous story. But seeing myself as hapkem means to transform oneself. The story goes is that there's a, there's a custom. It's brought down in Sefer Chassidim. That a person... Uh, once you leave home to go on a trip, it's not a good idea to go back home in case you change your plans. Once you're left on the trip, it's not a good omen to go back to back home. Continue on your journey. There's this fellow who was going on a journey overseas. He went to the airport and he left home, went to the airport, Kennedy Airport, and he's there. And all of a sudden they said the plane's been canceled, the flight's canceled till tomorrow morning. So he should go back home and come back in the morning to the airport. But he was very concerned for this instruction of Sefer Chassidim, that once you leave home, you don't go back. What's he supposed to do? So he called up the Lubavitcher Rebbe's secretary. Could you please ask the Rebbe what I should do? Can I, should I, go, should I stay here? Or should I, can, can I go back home? What should I do? So the Rebbe's secretary said, I'll ask the Rebbe and I'll get back to you. So he then he called him back and the Rebbe said to the person, what you should do is, instructed the Rebbe, learn a chapter of Tanya, Learn a chapter of Tanya, and when you learn a chapter of Tanya, you cannot be the same person. You will change yourself. It's hapka. You will transform yourself to be another person. So therefore, you can go back home because you're not the same person that left home. You're a different person. You can go back home. And the Rebbe said, I'm not joking. If you learn Tanya properly and you meditate, give yourself that time to pace yourself, to really experience the energy coming across by the Rebbe's words, you'll illuminate, you'll change yourself, then you can go back home and go back to the airport tomorrow morning. That's counting the Omer. Every day that we count the Omer, and you conclude the day, you make a chesben nefesh of the day, and look back at yourself and see yourself as not the same person you were at the beginning of the day. I did something today differently that represents not just a compelling act, but I'm really in a better spot. I'm in a better place, because this is a day that has the blessing of counting the Omer. We'll stop here, my friends. And we'll come to uh, stage number three of the month of Siva and Mitzvah Hashem. Same time, same station, beginning Monday morning. In the meantime, have a wonderful Shabbos. Shabbos Mubarakim, we bless the month of Ir. We should bless the month of Ir, that we should get the full blessing of all the blessings of the company of the Omer until we receive the Torah and hear the Amen. Amen. Amen, amen.
Thanks, Rabbi. Thank so, you. Annie, 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 Annie Solomon. Thanks. Yes, sorry. Unmute yourself. You want to share something? I thought. Uh, you also say Perkyavos. Perkyavos, very good. This week is oh, yeah. not one of Perkyavos. Good Monday. Valdek, okay. Thank you. Wonderful Shabbos. A good Shabbos, a good Chodesh. Good job, everybody. Good uh, learning of Perkeavos. All good. <laughs> All good. We'll be more Rabbi, people after Shabbos. Right. Rabbi Lisbon? Yes, Matt. Yes, please. I, I asked I ask this question less, less in the context of what we're learning specifically right now, though I'm not precluding what we're learning right now, but more in the context of more macro, but bigger. In terms of it, 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 it seems so obvious that the, the, that we, we have Pesach and the experience of the Seder, and then we start counting up to Shavuos. And it's, we're not counting for a week. We're counting for 50 days. Right. And the idea that the, the, there's so many halachot for Pesach. And for it's, it's like... It seems so clear, so obvious that this time period is a time period where we're not just in words, but in actions, in reality, we're supposed to be working on ourselves, working on our relationships, not just, I don't mean just in the, oh yeah, yeah, don't speak Lashon Hara. I'll put a bumper sticker on my car. You know, it's I don't I don't I don't mean it in that way. I mean like in a genuine, sincere, deep inside. Nobody knows about it except for you. Really, once a year, every year. Even I, I would even more so than Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Though I would argue the same is true for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Which is which I'm saying all this as a pre, as a prelude to my question, which is. If it's so obvious, if it's so clear, why is it so uncommon? What bothers me Do you understand more, what I'm asking? Yeah, what bothers me more is when I go to some other shuls uh, in the county Omer, they just say the bracha, and they don't say the, the Ribbonah Shalom, which talks about the actual sphere. They say the bracha, the county Omer, it's perfunctory, they counted the day, and they did the mitzvah. And they don't bother actually saying the rest of the prayer, which the Arizal has, the Chesed, and they go through it. Um, it's a good question. It's a good question. That, that's what this time is all about. Uh, we learn about Rebbe Kiva students, and they didn't respect each other, and we, we mourn that. We have all kinds of spheres. I can't listen to music, a cappella, maybe. All these, <laughs> the do's and the don'ts, but the main point of it, unfortunately, like so much else, we lost the kavana behind it. We just go through the perfunctory do's and the don'ts. There's got to be something so much more there. I heard a beautiful example about Sri Omer, about a person who's in prison, and somebody comes and says, as bad as things look right now, you're going to be freed from prison tomorrow. And guess what? In 50 days, you're going to marry the king's daughter. He's the guy's crazy. He's <laughs> in prison. All of a sudden, the next day, he gets freed. Wow, since I was freed, so the first part of the prophecy came across, I may actually marry the king's daughter in 50 days. I better get ready. 
So we came out of Mitzrayim. We were freed, a nation enslaved for hundreds of years. So we're marrying the king's daughter. We're royalty in 50 days. This is real. It really happened, the freedom, unexpected, impossible, miraculous freedom. We're going to marry the king's daughter in 50 days. We're going to stand at Sinai, for the Torah is going to wed us, unite with us. How do you get from being a slave to becoming so royal? You've got to take this time seriously, like Matt is saying. Why, you don't, why, first of all, maybe we should judge people properly. Maybe they are going through the process. What bothers me in Shulda, they count the Omer and they jump and they don't say the whole. You've got to give yourself a couple of minutes every single day to think about what is it about today's behavior that's not going to be yesterday's behavior. And every day, pace yourself in this beautiful marathon of getting ourselves so connected. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is a time to look back and see how well we did now in preparation for Shavuos. The goal is to get to that crown, the Kesem, that beautiful silent space of divine presence that's higher than the spoken words of God's presence. Yeah. Yet that you just can't, you just can't all of a sudden be there. We have to work on ourselves. So I, 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 yeah. I, I don't have a real answer to your question, Matt, but you're right. But you did, Rabbi Lisbon, you did, because I, I think that's the answer. I think the answer is, the answer is, I need to do what I need to do so I don't ask this obnoxious question. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's the, giving people benefit of the doubt, all that, that's not necessarily, but for whatever it is for me, I guess it's different for everyone, but I know what the mitos is in me or the me that is in me that causes me to ask the question and it's judgmental and it's unkind and it's obnoxious. And the answer to the question is, I don't know, Matt, but you need to work on that meta. And we'll join you in the journey. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So much. Thank you. I still, Rabbi but I still can't help but ask it. I, I find it so strange. <laughs> okay. I find it so strange. It's oh. just, it's so clear. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I just find it so strange. I guess we should be better and stronger role models of that. Okay. What that guy's going right. to do Let's be better role models. And people will say, "Wow, what, what's he doing differently now?" And then. That'll spark a revolution of change. Yeah, you know. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have, a, have a good Shabbos. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Rabbi. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Shabbos. Yeah. Question <laughs> is, we did the information. Okay. Please continue. Regards to the Rebison, please. Thank you. Good Tov, everyone. Good Tov. Good Tov.